Good evening. Uh, tonight we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. If you want to turn there, it is going to be on page 635 in the Black Pew Bibles. Hear God's word from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. This is God's word. Let's pray. Abba Father, uh, we pray that as we meditate on your word this evening, that you would be magnified in our hearts. We thank you for your word, Lord, and I pray that we would, as a church, just continue to treasure it, and that we would treasure you as our Lord and shepherd. Again, magnify yourself in our hearts and in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So, starting with some context in Isaiah 40, um, This is Isaiah, or the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel, or to specifically the the people of Judah at this point, right? Um, The the 10 northern tribes have gone into exile, and they've been scattered. And at this point, the two southern tribes of Israel, the, the nation of Judah, is in exile in Babylon at this point. And they've been in Babylon for almost the entire 70 years of their exile. Right, So entire generations have grown up in Babylon, never seeing the promised land, never seeing Jerusalem. And so in this scene, um, it, it's kind of like a movie in a way, to be honest with you. If you, if you read up to Isaiah 39, they're not, they're not in exile yet. They're actually still in Jerusalem. Hezekiah's uh, showing off all of his riches to the, the Babylonian people that have come to check it out. And then you can imagine if there was gonna make, they were going to make a movie of this scene, there'd be like a, a black screen, it'd be like 100 years later. And then Isaiah 40 starts, and this is the Lord speaking to uh, the people of Judah, and he's saying, comfort, comfort my people. He's calling out to them, and he's reminding them that he is still there. Because at this point, they've been in exile for 70 years. There's probably questions about whether or not God wants to deliver them, whether he can deliver them, right? Again, they've they've lived their entire lives in Babylon for some of them. And so God is calling out to them and he's saying, comfort, comfort my people. And in specifically Isaiah verse 11, he's speaking to them as their God and he's he's calling himself a shepherd who who gently uh, gathers them in his arms and and leads those that are nursing. If you look at the the context around verse 11, it's kind of incredible how the Lord even reminds the people of Israel who he is in those verses as well. Because in 11, he's talking about himself as a gentle shepherd. In verse 10, uh, he says, behold, the Lord God comes with might. And then on the other side of 11, verse 12, he says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, span and closed the dust of the earth in measure and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance. So he's talking about his might in verse 10, and then he's, he's 
he's reminding them of just the vast, the vastness of our Lord, the, the great infinitude that he is. Um, if, you, if you know the, the word, behold our God, um, it's actually in, inspired from Isaiah verses 12 through 14. It's, it's God reminding his people of how great he is. So the, the main idea that I want us to take away from meditating on verse 11 is that we would treasure this great, powerful, awe-inspiring Lord as our shepherd. Not only is he great and powerful and awe-inspiring, but he's also this gentle shepherd who carries us and protects us and leads us. Um, and there's a number of reasons that we, we should treasure this Lord, but um, for the purposes of this evening, the, the two reasons that I want us to, to think through are because he tends to us as his flock, and then because he gathers us as his flock. So starting with the, the first reason, because he tends to us as his flock, um, if you look at verse 40, the, the first line in the CSB says he protects his flock like a shepherd. But in the ESV, it actually uses the word tends. And in, in other translations, it'll use the word feeds. So feeds, tends, protects. It's this idea of the Lord tangibly meeting the needs of his people, right? He's, he's caring for them as his flock, protecting, feeding, tending to them, tending to them like a shepherd. Um, certainly for the Israelites, um, when they hear that the Lord is providing for them, one of the first things that, that they must be thinking of is the Exodus, right? They're in, they're in exile at this point, and the Lord is calling himself their shepherd who tends to them like a, who, who will tend to feed and protect them. And in the Exodus, they were, they were enslaved in Egypt, and the Lord delivers them out of Egypt. He takes them through the wilderness, and then he's taking them to the promised land. The Lord is literally showing himself as a shepherd who tends to them and meets their needs in, during the Exodus by dropping food out of the sky and onto the earth. Like he's dropping bread out of heaven. Um, you don't really get to meeting like explicit needs of people and like feeding people other than like dropping food out of heaven. Um, the, other, the other area in the Bible that we might think of is in Matthew 6, right? So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is telling his people do not be anxious about food or drink or what you will wear, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this will be added to you. So there's a little bit of a nuance here um, that I don't have nearly enough time to get into, but the Lord is the shepherd who understands our needs, right? And Jesus is reminding the people of that in Matthew 6. Like God created each of us with a need for food, right? He is the creator of man. He created us with a need and a dependence on him for our daily bread. But Jesus is also reminding his flock in Matthew 6 that ultimately it's not just about our daily needs that he's concerned with. Jesus is primarily concerned with us in our eternal state and being in communion with him. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness will be added to you. Right? If, we, if we think about the psalmist in Psalm 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This isn't saying that the Lord is my shepherd, so I cannot want. We have a good shepherd who knows and supplies our needs, but he's saying the Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not have want. And he, the, the psalmist knows that he will not have want because the Lord is the shepherd, because the Lord makes him lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
So again, the Lord knows that we have needs and he tends to us as a shepherd. And he, he asks us to pray for our daily bread. But he also understands that there's eternal implications at state. This is the omniscient, omnipotent God. And he's concerned with, with where your heart is and, and where you will be eternally um, and how you're magnifying him with your life. Um, yeah, and we know this even from, from Romans 8, which our brother Yek preached about a couple weeks ago. Um, in that verse, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And there's a long list of things that you might think could separate you from the love of Christ. And two of those things are nakedness and famine, right? So even in those moments, we have to understand that there are needs that we have and our Lord knows them. Um, and he, he is willing and able to provide, but that's not his, his primary concern. So that's tending or protecting or feeding, um, whatever word you want to use there. The second one, uh, the second reason that I'd like for us to treasure the Lord as a shepherd is that he gathers his flock. And there's, there's two ways that I'd like to, for us to think about this. <clears throat> the first one's a little bit of a swing, um, but, but bear with me a little bit here. So when we think of the Lord gathering us as his flock, um, if you've been around BBC, you know that what we're doing right now is not called a church service. It's not called a church TED Talk or hangout time or whatever. We call it a church gathering, and that's very intentional because the church is Christians gathered together. By the Lord's providence, the church is, the Christian, is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through the gospel. So when we think about treasuring the Lord as our shepherd because he gathers our flock, we should, we should give thanks for our church family. We should give thanks for the church itself. The church is not just some pragmatic idea that man came up with for how we should get together and read our Bibles. The church is a divine institution that God laid down, and through his word, he has directed us for how we should organize and the types of things that we should do as a gathered body of Christian believers, right? The church is the bride of Christ. The church is an embassy for the kingdom of heaven. When we think about the keys of the kingdom, it's because we're an embassy of the kingdom of heaven while on earth. Um, and my, my challenge slash encouragement for us, um, if you prescribe to the idea of Christian hedonism um, as a member of the church, which is uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, um, as we gather as a church together and we think about loving one another and encouraging one another and guarding one another and obeying our leaders or our shepherds, um, we should be seeking to encourage one another so that we can be more satisfied in Christ and be more satisfied in the Lord as our shepherd so that we can glorify him and magnify him both in our individual lives and as a gathered church. Um, so hopefully that's encouraging because... Uh, being a member of this church has greatly encouraged me and it has, it has helped me to treasure Christ more each and every day. So I thank you guys for that. Um, the other way that we can think about gathering um, is eternally, right? That, that is the chief concern of our, of our shepherd. We know from the passage that PJ read this morning that uh, our Lord is willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. Um, and we need it. We all need it. Um, we sang the song this morning, actually, but there's a verse that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
at all, at all times in our lives, we, we will be that one that the church, that our Lord as our shepherd needs to go after. And praise God that he's willing to do that. And praise God that Jesus is our good shepherd and not just a shepherd. Uh, when we think of Jesus identifying himself as the good shepherd in John 10, he contrasts himself with two other characters that are in the scene. <clears throat> if you look at that uh, chapter, he, he talks about the thief who comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. That's obviously not a good shepherd. But then he also contrasts himself with the hired hand who is not uh, a good shepherd either. And the hired hand sees a wolf coming and flees and he abandons his flock um, in their time of danger. But Jesus is different. He's a good shepherd who cares so deeply for his sheep that he lays down his life for them. And this is a past tense thing at this point. Jesus has laid down his life for his sheep, for those that he calls his flock. If you're not a Christian, um, these metaphors can be a little bit funky. Um, I, I can empathize for sure. Um, but Jesus is a shepherd who will run after every single one of his sheep, and uh, he is also willing to die for them, and he has. So taking a step back from the abstraction here, um, I don't honestly know a lot about sheep. Um, I don't know if there's evil sheep, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know if all sheep are innocent, but I know that speaking for myself, uh, I am not innocent. And if you're not a Christian, you are not innocent either. And no one in this room is innocent, especially when we consider ourselves before a holy and just God. And there will come a day when we will all have to face this God. Um, but by his grace, we have a good shepherd in Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the one who calls himself our shepherd, who protects, gathers, carries, leads, and tends to us, is the son of God, and he became man and dwelt among us. And that same Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. He died for our sins and was raised. He rose from the dead, eternally triumphant, eternally triumphant. And if you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, then one day you too will reign eternally triumphant with everlasting joy in communion with this good shepherd. And the good news is, not only can you have that eternally, but you can have that today. If you're not a Christian, if you profess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can have eternal communion with that good shepherd. So in closing, I'd like to quote a verse from the final book of the Bible that's speaking about the end of days. In Revelation 7, 17, we hear of Jesus as the lamb. And it says, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, again, <clears throat> I ask that you would just magnify yourself in our, in our hearts and in our lives. We pray, Lord, that we would just grow in deeper satisfaction for relationship with you and for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would treasure you as our great comforter, as our mighty king, as our wonderful counselor, and I pray that we would treasure you as our good shepherd. We love you, Jesus, and we want to love you more and more every day.
Amen.